The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how are you doing coming into the big week of Survival of the Fittest? Yes, it is. Uh, it's the go home week. Uh, you know, it's going to be at the Silver Nugget here in Las Vegas uh, on the 21st, which is Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. You can catch it on Fight TV for $14.99. So if you don't live in the area or if you just happen to not be able to get down to the Silver Nugget here in Vegas, um, please check it out on Fight TV. This is going to be a pretty, uh, a pretty. I don't even want to say uh, entertaining card, but a pretty special card. There's going to be some matches on here that are going to uh, really just kind of up the level a little bit. And I think to me, the first one that comes to mind is Jay Vidal trying to recapture the uh, No Limits Championship against Matt Vandegrift. And if he can't win that match, he is done with FSW. Um what do you think for you this match means in terms of the overall that these guys have had uh, between each other, especially within the last uh, three, four months? And what do you think that means to fans to see, you know, such a high stakes match, which granted championship matches in general are great to watch, but when you know that something like a career is on the line does that up the you know anticipation the the anticipation the anxiety and the enjoyment of a match for fans especially if they're there live well you know it, it it's intriguing you know we've had three matches in a row with those guys where uh matt won the belt from jay and then jay won the belt back and then matt won the belt back so now it's a lot of anticipation because you can look at it in so many different ways. Oh, there's no way Jay Vidal, he ain't gonna, you know, he ain't gonna leave FSW. He's got to win. But there, there, there's so many options that now you, even, that's a match you're going to pay attention to. You know, that's right. the match, you know, a lot of people look forward, are looking forward to as the match of the night. You know, uh, that will be positioned in the semi-main event spot. Uh, the survival match between uh, the champions against the, the faction. That will uh, close the show. So it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, what happens in the No Limits uh, title match. You know, will it be, you know, first, first off, the titles never change hands two different times, right. let alone three different times. Now there's the chance for it to be four different, four straight shows, right. you know, and, you know, we're normally a company that, you know, you win the belt, you know, there's a good chance you're going to, you're going to hold it a while, you know, but these guys are so equal that, you know, one may have a slight advantage in one spot, but then the other guy's got the slight advantage, you know. So you're you're talking about two of the the, the hottest rising stars in wrestling, you know, two guys that a lot of people feel they're next when it comes to who out of FSW is going to take that step to the next level. So you know, there's so much on the line let alone, you know, just the internal battle between the two because, you know, they both have got, gained so much confidence over the last year, you know. They were both, 
you know, in major tag teams that circumstances forced them to have to wrestle in singles matches, which we knew that they were capable of, capable of before, but now they've really, you know, shined. You know, Jay Vidal uh, won the Wrestler of the Year, you know. Right. But now when you go into this year, whoever wins this match is probably the the head's you know, he, he, he's front and center. You know, he's going to be the guy who leads the charge for the wrestler of the year of 2022. You know, we're more than halfway in. You know, at this point, I the edge has to go to Matt Vandegrift. He's already beaten Jay Vidal two times this year. Right. Plus, you know, he's had some big matches. You know, he won a gauntlet match to get the chance to win the championship, and he did. So he went through three different people. Yeah. Yeah, and then he's had, uh, you know, some other matches uh, throughout the year that have been um, some pretty solid matches. Uh, he's gotten the opportunity to wrestle guys like uh, Mike Bailey. So, you know, Matt has definitely stepped up his game. I think, you know, Jay is arguable, too, about, you know, potentially being a back-to-back wrestler of the year, which is – uh, saying a lot, you know that that shows a lot of potential. I think promise. Bryce Harrison may have been the the only guy to it. actually win it two years in a row. You know, I don't know if you have your uh, FSW almanac handy, but uh, you know, guys, you know, some of the best wrestlers that are currently in FSW are former wrestlers of the year. You know, you got Cody, you got Hammerstone, you got Graves, you got Bay, you got Cross, you know, it's a, it's a who's who. Yeah. And that's, I mean, just, just the, the list like that. Um, and, you know, again, uh, I'd love to, you know, we've tried to find Bryce Harrison and tried to get him to uh, come on. Yeah. Um, he, so. he, he, he is really missing in action, that dude. The dude. The former dude. Uh, I kind of like to think of him as the dude right now, just hanging out in an apartment with his robe on and, uh, you know, <laughs> a drink and, uh, you know, enjoying life. And, and a few ladies by his side. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, you, you said uh, – you know, co-main event essentially here with uh, the faction taking on TBD um, and Hammerstone. And do we know, is it still a surprise to the faction? Um, and is it a surprise to TBD or Hammerstone on who that fourth person joining them is going to be? Or will there be, you know, I, I know Hammerstone and TBD are very confident in their abilities. So, you know, they may go after them three on four. Are we going to see, uh, are we going to see Hogan come out? Is Hogan the fourth guy? <laughs> uh, Hogan is not the fourth guy, but it could be Flair. <laughs> You're starting. You're starting the Horseman Stable uh, with Flair at 77. I love or whatever uh, 73. That that would be. Uh... Yeah, Paul Rome is unavailable, so uh, we're gonna have to try to see if Flair can do it. Uh, you get Tully. Tully can manage them. So. Yeah, I'll call Hosey and see what's up. <laughs> uh, in terms of you know that being a survival match. Um, and uh, fans can check out. Uh, we did an interview with the faction that you'll be able to see. Uh, look that one up. Um, the faction had uh, quite a few things to say about the way FSW has treated them, especially the upper management. Uh, how this show. Yeah, you know, the, he had a title shot. He's in the main event. Boy, you know, j j just like the Suavecitos, you know. They, 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 they've all been mistreated. Well, I think the words about this show were that uh, someone like Braxton has been looked at as just a mouthpiece. 
uh, and uh, you know that uh, the guys are not taken. Uh, you know, there, there's upper politics going on, uh, but their main <laughs> their main thing was is Joe. They got tens of thousands of followers, and they're not champs. Who who does? The the uh, the faction. That's that was their uh, the reasoning, man. They they got all these followers, but uh, FSW doesn't see the value in them. Uh, well, you know, everybody has an opinion. You know, if you want to go to followers, uh, uh, Chris Bay's got more followers than all four of them combined. Hammerstone's got more followers than all four of them combined. So are we going to state facts? Braxton has more followers than the other three of his faction members combined. Right. You know, Braxton Braxton is able to afford to buy Twitter followers. And, you know, he's bought himself a lot. You know, I, Elon Musk, I heard that's part of the reason he wasn't buying Twitter. Because guys like Braxton, you know, bought their followers. A lot of robots is what I heard. So... I, I can't confirm or deny that. Oh, man. Uh, there's the gasoline. They said, man, they're going to get those torches. And, and I got a feeling uh, whew, with the gasoline going on here, man, the uh, FSW's future could just burn to the ground with, uh, with these guys if they get their power. Now, Braxton, speaking of him, he has the cash in the case. What are the specifics with the cash in the case? For instance, the match happens. It comes down to, let's say, two of the faction members in Hammerstone. And the faction, uh, you know, beats down Hammerstone. Hammerstone maybe picks up the win, but he's beaten to a point where he's, you know, really vulnerable can Braxton cash in that case at any point? How does it work for him so that we know of uh, the potential of him possibly cashing in at any point? He can. You know, all he has to do is let the uh, referee know. But being that TBD are tag champs and Hammerstone's the heavyweight champ, he has to, you know, inform the referee you know, right. which one he's going for. He can't he can't cash in and say, okay, I'm going for both belts. He can, he can only go for one. You know what I mean? He, he can't right. do the, uh, the spot where all three members are down and then he lays on each one hoping he gets the pin. You know, that, that's not how it works. <laughs> he's got to uh, specify, here, ref, I am cashing in on, and again, in that situation, you know, who's eliminated? You know, right. if, as you say, Hammerstone's the only guy in there, then, yeah, obviously he would be cashing in on Hammerstone. But if Shogun's in the back and Hero lose the only guy, you know, yeah. the three, and there happens to be three faction members, they could beat his ass. And then, you know, in the middle of a match, you know, that's yeah. how Hammerstone won the title. Right. Cross was wrestling uh, the multi-named Max Dupree, Sean Ricker, Eli Drake, L.A. Knight. And he got involved and he became the champion. And then yeah. it was such a great plan that the WWE stole it a few years later when Seth Rollins got involved in the match. Right. And that's right. how he won the title. So... We're trendsetters, man, you know. From well, Maxwell Hardy becoming a winner, you know, people just steal my ideas. And, you know, uh, recently Matt Hardy posted a picture of him and the family. And, uh, boy, seeing a picture of Maxwell Hardy now, it's just unbelievable how fast time goes, man. So, yeah, you're an innovator, and pretty soon – you might be able to uh, have Maxwell Hardy wrestling for the uh, FSW championship uh, because uh, that kid's grown up fast. So, 
Well, you know, we could have the uh, the kids championship, and him and Bodie could go at it. Sure, sure. I I, I would uh, I would like to see that. That'd be interesting. But Bodie is going to be on the Survival of the Fittest card with uh, those Sky Pilots, Sky High. There, um, they're taking on, of course, the Suavecitos, uh, and Brett the Threat. Um, what do you think, man? Is is this a moment where the quiet guys can shut up the loudmouths? Or if uh, Brett and the Suavecitos end up beating uh, Sky High and Bodie, will that cause even more of the uh, the bragging and the uh, the continuation of boasting how incredible they are? Well, we've seen in the past that even when they lose, they talk about how great they are. So, you know, I don't see the the decision, you know, I don't see whoever wins this match changing their their mindset. If they lose, well, then it'll be because of this reason. Right. You know, so that they already all have a built-in excuse. There's no doubt about it. So, uh, with both the Suavecitos and Sky High, does a match like this uh, and their performance in the match, whether it be just the performance in general or the, the win-loss, does that affect the potential of them uh, possibly getting an opportunity to wrestle TBD uh, in the future uh, for the championships? Well, you know, they, they have wrestled TBD a couple times uh, in some contender matches and things like that where uh, TBD was victorious. Uh, but the Suavecitos have had the most recent title shot where they lost. You know right. what I mean? So it, it's, a big, it's a big match because this is a rematch from, um, uh, from a match a few weeks ago where it looked like the pilots were going to win and, you know, as usual, you know, the tactics that you're always going to get from the Suavecitos and Brett the Threat got him the victory. And again, it, it's about getting the victory. So if, if it's all about the victory, then, well, they won. So, you know, you, you can't disregard, you know, whether you like them personally or not, because most people don't, but, they are highly successful. Brett the Threat has been, you know, uh, on a roll. And, you know, I find it amusing that he's basically called out, you know, the entire roster. And, you know, he wants to fight everybody all in one night. You know, it's like, be careful what you wish for because you never know what's going to happen. So, you know, Brett the Threat should be looking over his back. Because I saw him calling out Damian Drake, and I'm going to be watching the match with Greg Sharp and Remy Marcel and this guy and that guy. And it's like, you know, it's cool to, to have, you know, even other companies, you know, oh, the, this guy, I'm, I'm going to take out that guy. Oh, you think you're a shooter? You know, you know, he's made a comment, you know, he saw Blair Brody, you know, for September 4th, you know, and, he, and he's put out a challenge, which would, you know, Believe me, I'm I'm heavily contemplating that match because I think that it'd be a really good match to watch. So, yeah, you know, but he's gotten himself on the radar. People notice him, you know, and you know sometimes they say, you know, hey, you know, you got to be humble. You got to go out there and do the right thing. But you know, these guys have proven that it doesn't matter what they say; it's what they do inside the ring. So. Um, you know, that just, I don't know if this thought has ever crossed your mind, um, uh, but it's, it's a match that I think I would love to see. Uh, have you ever thought about the potential of, uh, filthy Tom Lawler and Brett the Threat? Uh, I have, you know, no doubt about it. You know, we were in talks about doing another Natural Born Killers, uh, and then, for some reason, Cross thought it was a better deal to return to the WWE instead of wrestle natural born killers. So well, we have to 
you know, rethink. While Cross was away, you know, we were lucky enough to have Tom step in and help run the show. So, you know, that uh, that begs to ask the question of, you know, Raw Underground was very similar to that concept of uh, natural born killers. Uh, you think uh, you could uh, talk to your boy Cross there and maybe we could see, uh, you know, a little bit of the Joe DeFalco influence on the WWE and uh, get a natural born killers type show going in the on the uh, on the Peacock, I guess, would be the perfect place for it. Yeah, you know, I think Triple H is doing all right. You know, maybe uh, I told Cross to put in the call for Freddie Prince Jr., who wants to start his own thing. So, you know, I think me getting in on the, the ground floor of that would be, uh, you know, a, a big help. You know, Absolutely. and I think, I think I could bring something to the table. I think uh, anyone listening, uh, if you uh, have uh, any contact with uh freddie prince jr maybe float the uh the idea of uh mr prince contacting mr defalco and uh we can I'll, you know uh, i'll help him out yeah make some magic happen you know uh <laughs> when you look at this card you have uh greg sharp defending the nevada state title against damian drake uh what do you see in terms of both these guys have matured over the last two years? Great, you know, just leaps and bounds, very greatly. Um, do you see any advantage on either guy? Um, obviously, they've been around each other, but, you know, they really haven't uh, worked each other to the point where they know each other, uh, like AJ Vidal and Matt Vandergriff, who are, you know, very familiar with each other over the last couple of months. You know, this is a new challenge for Damian Drake. Uh, at the same time, Greg Sharp, uh, I think with the chip on his shoulder, does he even view Damian Drake as a threat? I think Gregory Sharp, without a doubt, He's seen, you know, the rise of Damian Drake, who's been with the company for a very long time, and he's had a, you know, hugely successful run. So, you know, this is the first year that Gregory Sharp has become a champion. So, you know, he doesn't want to let that go. You know, he was a little uh, upset that Damian Drake was instilled as the number one contender. Uh, I know he's not never been a champion before, but uh, I guess he didn't realize that he didn't decide who he was going to wrestle on every occasion. You know, being that he wasn't scheduled to work and he decided to give an opportunity and pulled the name out of the hat, which was crazy that uh, the same guy was in the, in the hat 47 times so but that's not how it usually works and Damian Drake has proven himself to be a number one contender you know he, he beat Matt Vandegriff who's now the No Limits champion and yeah. you know I believe that you know since December Damian Drake's undefeated so, yeah. you know, why wouldn't that guy be worthy of being a number one contender? Um, when you look at that idea, you know, Greg Sharp has this title as his first one at FSW. Yet Damian Drake was a tag team champion, was a no limits champion. And now is getting the title shot here. I mean, does that does that put any pressure on Damian Drake to win this title because of the fact that he hasn't held it? He's 
had the title chances. He's been champion. And, you know, in all honesty, he should be able to step into this match and uh, win the belt from Greg Sharp without any question or doubt. But in his mind, do you think that that might be uh, just something that might be kind of an obstacle to get by? And that is, hey, man, I've been champ. I've been there. And will he go into the match maybe a little underprepared for a guy like Greg Sharp, who's kind of off the handles and could go nuts at any moment? Well, Damian Drake has been in the locker room with Gregory Sharp for years. So, you know, he's seen how he's evolved. Now, Damian Drake, of course, you know, if you look at it as they say on paper, and if there was odds on that match, you might give the slight edge to the champ because he has to actually lose. But it's a pretty even match. So there's always pressure because if Damian Drake doesn't win the match and doesn't win the championship, well, when's his next opportunity to get a championship? He's not in a tag team. You know, he's a guy who feels, you know, no limits title was great. And does he want to go back with Van de Griff and Jay Vidal? But he has evolved in his career that he's looking at, you know, the heavyweight championship. You know, he's right. looking at different things to to excel his career. You know, it, it it says a lot more when you're the triple crown champion or the grand slam champion, you know, to to win a belt you've already won. Again, that that that's awesome because there's so many great talent. No matter what, winning a title is a big deal, you know. And the thing is, he hasn't had the opportunity as successful as he's been. So, as you said, okay, is there pressure? Well, he feels he should have had a title match, but he hasn't as successful as he's been. So, yeah. if he loses, why would he get another one so quickly? You know what I mean? And with him, uh, would you say his uh, style right now, more of a Marty Jannetty or more of a Shawn Michaels? Uh, I guess you could say a Shawn Michaels. But again, people joke and say Marty Jannetty. But, you know, Marty Jannetty was fantastic wrestler. If he didn't have so many issues, yeah, you know, he, he could have been he could have been as successful as Sean. You know, yeah. you know, Sean had the issues, but he was able to, uh, I guess you could say, curtail them. You know, other than when he was in Syracuse and and had to get through twenty three guys and <laughs> lost his smile. But you know, after that, and once Bret Hart was out of WWF, you know. He, you know, he felt uh, a lot more secure in his position. You know, it's funny, you know, you talking about when you're saying about the confidence and the things like that, it, it, it's amazing how in wrestling that you see some of the guys that are the biggest stars in wrestling and even like Ric Flair, that they need to be told, you know, like, hey, you know, I'm really appreciative that Vince McMahon put me back in the video that they feel somehow that all their success doesn't matter anymore. So it's, I guess it's the, what have you done for me lately thing? You know what I mean? And out of mind, out of sight. So going back to Damian Drake, you know, he's won matches and who's he beat? Well, he beat Matt Vandegrift. He beat Jordan Oasis. You know, he's beat everybody who's been put in front of him, but it won't matter if he was a hundred and O and he loses to Gregory Sharp, you know, everything he did before makes no difference. The fact that he won the no limits title, the fact that he was the tag team champion and then got hurt and then feuded with his buddy and, you know, everything that happened. And now all that stands in front of him is Gregory Sharp. And, you know, if he loses, well, then, you know, it's back to the drawing board. Where do you go? 
you know, you just brought up an interesting point. I, I want to see what your perspective is on this. So with fans, there tends to be a kind of that same what have you done for me lately kind of mentality. And especially because, you know, we went through the, the long nightmare of, you know, no one in the stands because of the pandemic. I think that a lot of times the past kind of starts to fade and, and people kind of forget that Damian Drake was a, it was a champion, especially no limits champion now being some three years out from, from that time. Does it, does it stick in the mind? Do you think the, do the wrestlers kind of have to have that mentality of, I have to continue to do something now because of the fact that if I don't, the fans might forget about me or at least my accomplishments. And isn't that essentially what it's about is making sure that you're remembered for those accomplishments and the things you've achieved uh, so that, you know, the fans will continue to support you and enjoy you. And also you have that resume going forward to, you know, show other people who might be in the bigger companies looking to hire you. Um, what is that, that difference between a wrestler having the mentality of going forward and achieving, but yet still trying to keep relevant with the fans so that aspects of their career are not forgotten? Well, it's funny. You know, you talk about how guys need to be humble and guys need to, you know, do the right thing. But the most successful guys need to have that chip on their shoulder. They need to look over their shoulder and see who's coming. Because right. I've seen so many guys that were at this level and then they kind of plateaued. And it was a good level, but it wasn't the level of what a cross or a lacy or a bay or you know those guys have done. And you can't be content with, you know, being successful locally. Hey, I get to drive to California and I've won some titles there. It's like everybody has to have that chip on their shoulder because they can easily be forgotten. You know, you can be the, the, the darling and then all of a sudden, you know, a Jay Vidal or Matt Vandegrift become you know, this hot commodity that, you know, people are like, oh, and now all of a sudden, oh, well, what about me? You know, I'm, I'm really good. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, they're that fresh talent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of, you know, kind of doing that in terms of getting yourself out there and being a champion in other states, uh, you know, we're seeing the heartbeat kind of uh, starting to beat around the West Coast. And uh, Xander just won his third championship uh, against your boy, Evan Daniels, in Arizona. Yes, Evan Daniels gets to mention on the on the DeFalco Files. Uh, what does it mean to you to see, A, what Nick Xander is doing um, outside of FSW? And B, what does it mean for a guy like him who is going to be wrestling at best in the West and then arguably one of his biggest matches he's ever had in FSW is at Survival of the Fittest the next day against Clutch, who you know Clutch isn't, uh, isn't going around to other states right now, isn't making any title defenses. He's focused on Nick Xander. Could this be kind of a trap uh, for Nick if he doesn't play his cards right? And we might see the same beatdown uh, that he got last time uh, after the match. Uh, Clutch might do it during the match. Well, I, uh, you know, I know Nick Xander is young, but hopefully he's learned 
uh, from his mistakes. And it's great to want to celebrate your victory. But, you know, after a guy comes back after a year away and loses a match and you turn your back to him, especially to somebody like Clutch, probably not the wisest decision. And, you know, maybe you could chalk that up to, you know, the, the rookie in him. You know, big match, big win, anniversary show, silver nugget, packed house. You know, yeah. he just beat the guy, you know, who said, you know, the future is pretty dim uh, at FSW with the young talent and basically taking a shot at him. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, I'm pretty sure the blinders are off. And Nick Xander is going to be prepared for whatever Clutch has in store for him. Because, you know, knowing Clutch, you know, don't don't be surprised if there is, you know, a trick up his sleeve. Well, that brings up an interesting point is, you know, within the last couple of months, we've seen a lot of Clutch, but we haven't seen old Sugar Brown. Is that something Nick needs to kind of keep in the back of his mind? Is that, uh, you know, Sugar Brown might be lurking somewhere in the shadows? Uh, I guess it's possible the first time Clutch called him out. I know Nick Xander looked under the ring, so he was kind of prepared at that point. But as time has passed and, you know, it's been Clutch and Xander and, and things like that, I... I think it's easy to forget, you know, I'm not even thinking of Sugar Brown, but you brought it up. So, you know, that would probably mean other people are thinking, hey, you know, Sugar Brown, haven't been seen. What does it mean? You know, I guess you better show up on Sunday and uh, see for yourself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, Let's be honest, uh, Sugar Brown could be enjoying his AARP right now and uh, sitting back because he, he's, what, he's about uh, 52? I know he just celebrated his birthday, yes. <laughs> uh, then, you know, I know last time we talked last week, um, we kind of talked a little bit about the potential of a women's match. Do you have a women's match planned for this card? Uh, it looks like we're going to be doing an intergender tag match. Uh, I'll have more details. We're trying to finalize, uh, one of the spots, but we, we, we do have, uh, that plan. So it's going to be an intergender tag match. It looks like. Excellent. You know, uh, unfortunately, a few, you know. Uh, Rochelle Riveter, who we expected to be at the show, newcomer to FSW. Uh, she'll be in a wedding in uh, Colorado, so she is unavailable. Right. Right, which is great. Uh, I'm, I'm glad she gets an opportunity to, uh, you know, see friends and have a, a nice little weekend. But, uh, you know, it's it's disappointing. I think fans are, are starting to uh, get to know her a little bit here in Vegas. And, uh We'll very we'll be very happy to see her uh, once she's back in town. Um, yeah, definitely a, a great addition. Had a good match yeah. against uh, Aviva Van, and also uh, showed herself very well in the uh, the uh, the three way matchup for the opportunity to wrestle for Aviva uh, for the women's championship. So. You know, uh, Viva will be back. You know, she's got a a big prior commitment that she will have to uh, obviously take. So we had a change, but she will be here September 4th. And right now uh, at the next high octane, we're, you know, still figuring it out. But we have some returnees. Milo will be back and. Gypsy Mack will be back, and uh, Johnny Robbie, who's been making a lot of waves on yeah. on the West Coast, Alice Blair. So, you know, the the women will be representing for sure on September fourth. And Maserati's sniffing around in the background. Oof. Oof. You know, I, 
we know that Maserati's in Brooklyn this weekend. So, you know, not only is she sniffing around, but man, she's, she's still got that whole uh, map of the United States kind of, she's circling it, man. And it looks like Maz is making her, uh, her big move to kind of take over women's wrestling across the country, which is pretty damn exciting. One of the hardest workers, would you not agree? One of the hardest workers to get where she is from where she was. Yeah, you know, to be honest, I thought she'd be a career valet and, you know, and a hugely successful one. But, you know, she's another one who was not content with what she was doing and where she was at. And she went out there and, you know, without a doubt, from where she started to where she is, maybe one of the most improved women's wrestlers you know, and I'll put Viva Van right up there, that they were a couple that I didn't be that impressed with. And now they're two of the best, you know, around. So, yeah, I mean, I think at this point, what does Viva Van have something like seven titles? I think five. I think five because she was in the hot tub with five belts, I think. Which, which was a, a popular movie too, if I'm not mistaken, from back on uh, the VHS days in the uh, the eighties. If uh, you know what I mean, Joe. Oh, I was thinking a hot tub time machine, but you know. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, when we look at the twenty first, uh, anything else on the card that I missed? Uh, yeah, we got our number one. You know, after Matt. Vandergriff and Jay Vidal, we need to find a uh, a new suitor to challenge for the championship. And, you know, uh, we got a couple of guys that have been around FSW a lot. And, you know, I like them a lot. You know, uh, Brandon Gatson and Wise Guy, uh, they're stepping back in. Uh, after an injury, Eli Everfly is back. And I'm excited for that. And a guy who's kind of changed his ways recently, but he's had a lot of success, uh, Jordan Oasis. So that four-way scramble to decide uh, who's going to get an opportunity next, uh, very uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's really uh, quite a good mix of talent in there. Um and when you look at, you know, a guy like Jordan Oasis, uh, Brandon Gatson, Eli Everfly, wise guy, very diverse in terms of styles. Um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how each of those guys approach this match because of the fact that, they, you know, just very different uh, in terms of high flying versus groundwork versus, you know, just power. Uh, it's going to be very cool to see. Uh, with Eli finally getting the rest, seeming to be healthy again, does that open the door? Do you think that we'll be seeing more of him in uh, FSW? Because I know you're a huge fan of of Eli's. Well, we had been using him uh, pretty frequently, and and then he had got banged up, and then he came back, and and he had another tremendous match with Jay Vidal. Uh, he was all set to go AEW weekend. And, you know, I, I, the injuries just piled up because, you know, that was, that was an event, you know, he was going to work the GCW shows. Uh, we had him, you know, booked for the, the luck of the draw Thursday. We had him booked for the FSW revolver show. So those were, were three shows that at least he would have been on and, and, probably would have been on black label show. So, you know, you, he's a guy that you just think of, uh, you know, he can't be hurt, you know, but obviously, you know, you, you do a lot of crazy shit and sometimes things, uh, don't go the right way and you, you need to take time off. And sometimes the biggest mistake is not taking the time off. It's like, you know, I, I just, uh, I talked with Juicy, who was taking some time off, and I, I hit him up, 
And then I had a message him again. I'm like, what's up, bro? You ghosted me? I, I, I hit you up, you know, see what's going on. And, you know, he's still a little bit of ways. You know, he's obviously when MLW calls, he's there. But he's really limited uh, what he's been doing over the last couple months. Just, you know, trying to, you know, make sure he's in the best place possible. So, you know, those doors are always open for, for guys like that. So, you know, we're looking forward. It, you know, it, it's kind of like in baseball, you know, sometimes the best trade isn't a trade. It's, you know, Jacob DeGrom coming back from injury. And yeah. now all of a sudden you got, you know, one of the best players in the game. And it's the same thing by inserting Eli Everfly or inserting Juicy into the mix. You just upgraded your, your entire roster. Right, and I think that that's another person in the match, Gatson, who kind of falls a little bit under that category of kind of just banged up and burnt out a little bit. And now look at him coming back and how much attention he's gotten over the last uh, year. It's it's wonderful to see. Uh, when you look at his history with FSW, and I know he's another guy you're you're high on, been high on for years. Um, do you think that, you know, Ganson might get a little more opportunities if he's available um, for even some potential bigger guys like like a Hammerstone? I, I don't know. Have those two even ever wrestled uh, before? You know, I, 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 I don't think so, but I, I don't know for sure, you know. Uh, but most people – that are newer fans over the last three, four, five years, you know, are not aware that Brandon Gatson is a former FSW No Limits champion. So, you know, he, at the time, you know, was a guy that, you know, highly respected, we liked a lot, and he has gotten himself in the best shape of his life. Yeah. So... It's, it's, you know, it's impressive. It's very impressive. Yeah. And, and he's had tremendous matches. And it's like he, along with some of these other guys who've had like a career renaissance, and it's guys that we used in the past, you know, Ryan Taylor and Tito Escondido, that, you know, they've, they've produced awesome stuff for years, but never seemed to be noticed by the bigger guys. And then late in his career, you know, Ryan Taylor was active in 2009 when we had first booked him. So, you know, it's 2022. Now, obviously Ryan Taylor got a little bit of love with ring of honor, but that still wasn't more than two, three years ago. So, you know, and in 2009, he was wrestling already. So he's probably about a 15-year vet who took 12 years to, to get on, on the radar of people. I remember when Global Force Wrestling came to sure. town and, you know, I, I procured a nice relationship with Sanjay Dutt and he would be, you know, active when he was looking for guys that he felt my opinion mattered. You know, obviously we brought Cross to the table and Jeff Jarrett was, you know, so excited with them that they had him lose to Bobby Roode in three minutes and take away his uh, his shine. But other than that, you know, when they needed a tag team, you know, I let him know, sent them stuff about the whirlwind gentlemen. And they got booked on the show because of that, you know. And I remember giving them, giving him, you know, some guys to take a look at. And Ryan Taylor was one of them. You know, and, you know, that was a while back. You know, that had to be eight, nine years ago, you know. And, you know, Tito's another guy that I've been high on since day one, whether it was singles or with Che. You know, we had him, you know, up until last year. And then he punctured his lung and it kind of, you know, stopped the momentum part of the MK Army. You know, he came back. You know, we obviously saw how good he was, you know, we had him, you know, beating Graves in a match, you know what I mean? So it's like, obviously we had 
you know, the thought of Tito being the guy to possibly, you know, but we needed him to be around more to challenge Hammerstone for the championship. And right. there was actually some talk of Tito uh, becoming a champion and against uh, actually at the anniversary show last year. And then he got hurt and, you know, we never really got that momentum back. He came back at natural born killers and Gatson's another guy. Now, you know, Tito's in Japan as we speak and, yep. and Gatson's a guy who's, you know, first it's LA fights, but now he's working for the big boys. When, when GCW comes to town, they're utilizing them. So, yeah. you know, it, it's great to see that these guys with, you know, super talent are being, you know, noticed by the other companies. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's very rewarding. Um, and it also allows for, you know, guys like Hammerstone or, or guys who sign with like an MLW uh, the opportunity to still be able to do the independent shows. Uh, do you think that is something that is, I don't want to say necessarily something guys should always think about, but in certain cases, do you think that when guys are getting offers and starting to get looks from companies that have a little bit more money, a little bit more national, that that's something that they should take into consideration is where they are in their career in terms of if they, if they still feel the need that they, they should kind of get out there and grow a little bit more to be aware of that when they're signing a contract to know that they have that flexibility to continue to, you know, work every weekend, uh, as opposed to, uh, I've got a contract and my main focus is just this company now. And that's it. Well, you know, you, you, you could do that, but you know, for your growth as a professional, let's take, you know, another guy that we brought into the mix who was pretty inexperienced in Toa Leona. And, you know, he was a guy who, whether there was people coming from California or not, you know, he was driving himself down because, you know, Sefa Fatu told him, you know, you need to get into FSW. And he did what it took to get into FSW. Well, then he got an opportunity to uh, be used at AEW. And, you know, he was always, you know, keeping me up to date, letting me know and, you know, gave me a call to tell me that he was signing. And, but he let me know the terms of the deal wasn't a lot of dates guaranteed. So when they moved him to the Ring of Honor side, they really haven't utilized him. And right. I've noticed, you know, I saw he got to work cross at PCW and, he was working uh, for Dom and, you know, we're talking about possibly doing a Mecca October 23rd uh, being that impacts in town, the 21st and 22nd need to talk with Sammy Callahan again, because the crew's going to be out here. So let's, let's utilize that. And Toa is definitely a guy that when we were looking at, you know, who, who would be a really good fit, to be the next FSW heavyweight champion, he was extremely high on my list because, you know, he, he, he was a big guy who listened and, and wanted to get better and, you know, appreciated being in the ring, you know, with a hammerstone and getting to work with Sam Adonis and, and all these guys and EC3 and Graves and, you know, being as inexperienced as he was, if he didn't tell you he'd only been wrestling for X amount of time, you would have never believed it. Yeah. You know, you, you saw a little bit of the greenness, but the, the talent overshadowed everything. Right. And, you know, generally we look, we, you know, look for a guy with, with, with character. And he was a guy who, you know, hit me up, you know, always, always wanting critiques, didn't care if it was bad, you know, it, it, it's kind of the old, you know, oh, you know, let me know what you think of my match. 
and be offended when you you tell him things that maybe weren't that good and right. you know people listen to everybody in the back and you know other workers and students you work with i'm pretty sure almost nobody maybe it maybe the trainers of course but guys you work with, oh that's fucking great oh man fucking awesome and it was like dude the match sucked like right. or the right. match was mediocre you know it's like a person does not get better when you don't tell him what he's doing wrong if right. i do something wrong odds are i'm going to do it wrong again and again until somebody tells me that i'm not doing it right you know right. or maybe this is misplaced you know like i know at the uh, last show you know kenny was around and kenny is extremely valuable when he's around but he's a right. busy dude you know not only does he have other wrestling you know, gigs that he has to go to, but he has a life. And, you know, going to Future Shock or a high octane, you know, isn't always in the cards when, you know, you just came off the road and you, you need to spend time with your family, your friends, whatever. You know, yeah. so when he comes out or D-Lo, when he's, he's around, you know, he'll still come around, you know, even though he's got the impact thing. that. That's the one issue we got. You know, all the guys that might show up at a show, if Impact's running, well, we're shit out of luck. You yeah. know, so at the last show, Kenny was there. Chris Bay was in the uh, in the office, you know, watching the match, my matches, and, you know, critiquing people and, hey, letting him know what he saw. And, and people value that, especially like Chris Bay, who's the guy yeah. who started from scratch. And very quickly climb the pro wrestling ladder. So, you know, it's great having those people around because they're not going to sugarcoat shit. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I guess it comes from a different place. When Joe DeFalco tells you something, oh, yeah. But when D'Lo Brown tells you, or Kenny King tells you, or Chris Bay tells you, you know, yeah. or Sin Bodie tells you, or Cody or Remy or or the guys that have been or Hammerstone, you know, maybe you're maybe you perk up a little bit. Maybe you learn, you know, uh, I'm going to assume Fresco learned a little bit by being in the ring with Kenny King recently and being in the ring with Hammerstone. You know, yeah. th those were great opportunities for a young wrestler. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and Fresco, uh, Made it clear that he beat Kenny King over and over. I think his words was, I beat Kenny King. I beat Kenny King. I beat Kenny King. So, uh, but, you know, not only is it experience, but uh, a little something to hang your hat on. So very, very good, uh, you know, network of, of people to uh, work with, to evaluate your, you know, your work rate as long as you're willing to listen. And I think that's the biggest thing is that we're seeing uh, a number of people who are willing to listen and learn. And I think that's something that's invaluable. Um, you know, especially in this day and age where a lot of times social media feeds your ego a little bit more than the reality of where you are in your success. And you're left with, you know, never, elevating because you are being fooled into thinking you're one place when you could be much further uh as we go here and, and start getting ready to wrap up uh any final thoughts uh going into this weekend and uh anything else you want to share with uh, the listeners well you know uh survival of the fittest you know I'm trying to find exactly when we started it, but I know in 2013, uh, that may have been our first. So we have had this, uh, I guess you could say, traditional show for at least 10 years. And there's so many things that have come out of it. So it's like, you know, it, it's always exciting. I was always a big fan of the Survivor Series. So we always try to get some of these kind of matches going and mixed in with a bunch of different stuff. So it's like, you know, 
it also moves forward as we get into our final event, which, you know, of the year, which is against all odds, which is the rumble where the winner gets the shot at the title that night. So it's like, it's, it's just continuing everything. And, you know, we got a lot of big things happening. You know, the faction, you know, they're eyeing both titles. Well, now, now's an opportunity uh, for them to prove that they're deserving of, of getting those title shots. You know, Ice Williams had the shot. You know, uh, the faction tag team had the shot. Braxton's got the case. So all four of those guys are in position to be champions. And yeah. I'm pretty sure with uh, the crew from Dre's with Ice and Braxton, you know, they're going to be uh, in full force. You know, I thought they were going to riot after Ice lost at the anniversary show, you know what I mean? So yeah. uh, it's going to be, you know, interesting to see. And then we're going to see, you know, the rookies like, well, not a rookie anymore, but Nick Xander, you know, in a high-pressure situation, you know what I mean? And, and we got a number one contender scramble match, and we're going to have an intergender match and, you know, a rematch. So, you know, and then the Nevada State title, you know, will Damian Drake be the first Vegas-born Nevada State champion or Nevada-born, uh, you know? Yeah, Nevada State champion, yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. Um, and, again, uh, you know, tickets are available, uh, especially if uh, you don't order them in advance. You obviously can, uh, you know, get tickets at the door. Um, it's uh, – at the Silver Nugget, it's the 21st at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Again, if you're not in Las Vegas or if you can't make it out to the Silver Nugget, Fight TV, $14.99. Get to see the pay-per-view. Uh, you know, and the, again, link, the, the link is already up. Just there, got it from uh, Fight TV. Nice. So, and, and again, if you're not familiar with some of the guys, um, this is a good opportunity to check out some of the homegrown talent uh, at FSW because, uh, you know, one of the biggest things is if you don't take the time to, you know, get to know some of these guys, five years from now when you're sitting there and you're watching uh, AEW or an NXT or a WWE show and you go, you know, I I, I thought I heard of this person. I, I want to find out more than – you're kicking yourself when you uh, realize, oh man, five years ago I could have started following this person back then and uh, and watching them grow. And a great example is, of course, Lacey Ryan, who uh, the new the new NXT Women's Champion. Oh wait, we're filming this before, so I'm going out on a limb since we filmed this Tuesday afternoon. Right. I don't know. Right. But I'm going out on a limb. Uh, I actually uh, got a message today, this morning, from your uh, your former trainer. I, I got I got the, I got the message as well. I got the message. Ah, as well. I'm there very, you go. So I'm, he told us to watch. You yep. know, he, he hopes something big happens. Yep. But I, I, I think he's kayfabing us a little bit. And he's also there for uh, for backup too, just in case, you know, Toxic Attraction tries anything. Tom Howard going to step up and make sure Toxic Attraction doesn't get involved. There you go. I heard he brought some of his students. I heard Heidenreich's going to be there just in case. Oh, <laughs> uh, I got to reach out to John see how he's doing. <laughs> oh man, John, what what, what correction? What what institution is he at? Uh, you know, knock on wood. I think he's I think he's not right now. Oh, okay. I heard he was at Arkham, so I don't know. <laughs> Man, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would. You go strange has uh, done wonders with him. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, put it past him if he, uh, you know, was friends with uh, a Harley Quinn or a. Uh, a joker uh man what a what a what a fascinating gentleman he, he's something else uh 
Yeah, his words can't describe him. <laughs> he's a good dude. He was, he was always a good dude. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's an exciting time. And uh, August 21st again, 5 p.m. Pacific time. Survival of the fittest at the Silver Nugget here in Vegas. And Joe, uh, good luck on the show. And uh, we'll talk about uh, what happened next week. Yeah, you know, hopefully I'll survive another uh, another show. The survival of the DeFalco. That's, uh... That's right. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you then.